This year, we've been very intentional on expressing vision and who we are and the values that make us up as a church. And today, we're going to talk about the seventh core value of our church. And there's no specific order. I just preached them as I felt the Lord wanted us to share them. Uh, but they're not a specific thing. One's not more valuable than the other. They're all important. They're all core values to who we are as 3W Church and our DNA. And if you've missed any of them, I'm going to recap them quickly. The first one that we talked about this year was refill. We talked about, about the fact that you got to keep your tank full. Now, what does that mean or how does it look like? Do you know that we're all always giving? The minute that you turn on your car, you are consuming gas. Oh, pastor, I drive an electric vehicle. The minute you turn on your car, you are consuming battery power. And what does that mean? You're going to have to plug it in and recharge, or you're going to have to add gas to the tank, regardless. And in this life that we live, we are constantly giving, and it is imperative that we're constantly filling Prayer, worship, the word of God refills our tank. We talked about the value of refresh, even in the busy seasons. And what does that mean? What do we talk about? We're talking about Sabbath. What is Sabbath? It is a day a week where we cease to work in whatever it is our job. And I tell you this, if it was important enough for God to model it, we must follow it. At creation, in Genesis chapter 1, at the end of God creating all the heavens and the earth and mankind, he rested on the seventh day. And if God established it at creation, who are we to think we're better than God and decide that we need to work seven days a week for 60 weeks in a row? And it's why we're ending up chronically in deficit, physically, mentally, emotionally. So refill, refresh. We talked about celebrate. We celebrate here. As a matter of fact, help me celebrate. Happy birthday, Pastor Jose. It's his birthday today. He's turning 21. We honor the moment. We celebrate. Sometimes, I don't know about you, sometimes we feel bad celebrating something good that happened because of everything else that's happening to people. Oh, I, I shouldn't celebrate. Look, at this person's going through a thing. Let me, let me not do anything because they're going to feel bad. Or, no, 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 no. Celebrate. Why? Because we believe that as you celebrate, you're honoring God. As you celebrate, you're encouraging other people to continue to believe. Last week, we celebrated with... With, with Tony and Amy, right? And Helen's rocking her shirt. Grandma, established 2023. Because the baby's coming. We celebrate. And when things are not going well, can I tell you what we need to do? We need to pause, find the win, and honor the moment. Something to rejoice on. We talked about generosity. Just because. 
What does it mean to be generous? It means to freely, without expecting anything of return. Yeah, we give of our finances, but we give of our time. We give of our talents. We give of our giftings. We are generous just because we can. Not because any other reason than the fact that I have the ability to do something for you. That's generosity. And as a church, that is one of our values. How can we help? How can we connect? How can we advance the kingdom of God? We talked about the value of authenticity. Keep it real. I don't know about you, but I've come across some very fake Christians. As fake as a $3 bill, right? And I've come across some that look like a 20, but it's counterfeit. And can I tell you, you cannot build on fake. You know, when we were in Hawaii on our vacation last year, we went to this place called Kualua Ranch. And that is an area that is used for all kinds of films. As a matter of fact, you guys have all seen this place. If you've seen Jurassic Park, if you've seen Hawaii Five-O, if you've seen uh, um, uh, 51st Dates, all of these movies, they're all filmed there. And in the part, it was really cool. We, we, we got to this area that has the huge giant gates that say Jurassic World or Jurassic, or whatever the, the, the thing, like the gates that open up in the movie. And they look super spectacular. But when you get up to them and you touch them, you'll realize they're made out of styrofoam. Spoiler alert! No. They're made out of styrofoam, they're fake. They looked good on camera, and there's a lot of Christians that look good on Instagram and Facebook and camera, but they're fake, and that's why sometimes people don't want to know anything about God because of the fake Christian they encountered, so we believe as a value here at 3W, if we are authentic with each other, if we are honest, we will be able to build better because the foundation is real. We talked about the value of stewardship. And sometimes people think generosity and stewardship are the same thing, but they're different. Because stewardship is realizing that it all belongs to him. We just manage it. Your body belongs to God. You just manage it. Your health, your finances, your family Your spouse is God's. Your children are God's. We manage them. And if we steward them well, we will be able to do more. But if we don't steward our family well, how can I steward the church if I cannot steward my wife and children well? So we have to constantly reflect, how am I stewarding it and can I steward it better? Can I do something better with what God has entrusted to me? And today I want to talk about one that if you've been at our church for any point of time, you know that this is, I mean, the corest of core values for our church, and it's serve as unto Jesus. Our church is actually known in our community as a church that is constantly serving. I've gotten random calls from organizations that are not even Christian, but they were doing like homeless care packages and they know that we always do stuff. So can we give them to you to give out? It's part of our DNA. 
to serve as unto Jesus. The Bible says in Colossians 3.17, it's going to come up on the screen. Colossians 3.17 says, whatever you do, whether it be in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Do you know that it is he who we are serving? We do it as unto Jesus, not unto man. So this is the definition of the word serve. The definition of the word serve is to perform duties for another person or an organization. One more time, serve, to perform duties for another person or organization. I want you to go with me to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. We're going to read it and then I'm going to pull some points out of it. Matthew chapter 20, when you've got it, say amen. If you've got a physical Bible with you, raise it. I want to see your physical Bibles. I love Bibles. All right. Thank you. I encourage you, carry your Bible, highlight your Bible. You cannot highlight the wall when the verse comes up. Matthew chapter 20. It says, then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking from him. And he said to her, what do you wish? She said to him, grant that these two sons of mine may sit one on your right hand and one on the left in your kingdom. Now, I don't know if these guys knew what she was going to ask or not. I mean, have you ever been with a parent when they ask something that you had no idea they were going to ask? Or like when you were single and they were like, let me introduce you to, you didn't know they were going to ask. I was like, oh my gosh, get pena, right? <laughs> so we don't know. We don't, we don't know if they knew what, what mom was going to ask. We, we know that they were young. Most historians believe that the disciples were probably teenage years. So these are teenagers. So, so mom comes up to Jesus with her two boys and is like, I want them to be the greatest with you. And Jesus answers and he says, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? They said to him, we're able so he said to him, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with, but to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it was prepared by my father. And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. I mean, there's a whole teaching right there. I mean, the ten were not happy. Who do these two think they are, Right? Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall be not so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. Whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. Wow, there's so many good things that we can pull out of this. But the first one I want to highlight this morning is this. Serving is an act of humility. 
Serving is an act of humility. People who are proud do not serve. I mean, have you ever seen something that needed to get done and the proud person says, that's beneath me? I don't clean toilets. Mop? Chairs? I remember years and years ago as a youth pastor, I had this one guy said, I want to serve under you in the youth ministry. And I said, awesome. He said, yes, yes, I have a call from God in my life to pastor. I was like, that's phenomenal. I need you to come and help me. We got to move these chairs. And the guy said to me, I don't move chairs. I have a call to pastor. I said, well, you're not serving in our youth ministry. Goodbye. That's arrogance. That's pride. Zero humility. And it takes humility to serve. Because when you serve, you put aside everything of who you are, your comfort, your status, your title. You put it to the side to do something for someone else. Here's another thing I pulled out of that passage. So number one, serving is an act of humility. But the second thing is this, greatness is measured in serving. Greatness is measured in serving. I mean, what was the response? The lady asked Jesus, I want them to be at your right and your left. They are the big dogs. They are the ones with you. The other disciples are like, bro, what's up with that? Like, what is this question? And what does Jesus answer? Whoever wants to be the greatest needs to be the servant. Whoever wants to be first, go serve like a slave. Go do whatever is needed to be done. Are you willing to serve? Here's the truth. True leadership, true greatness is measured in your willingness to serve. There can never be anything that is too beneath you. Service is something that we have to be just willing to do. It's humility. And your greatness is measured by it. Here's another thing. I think this is probably the most important thing we need to build upon. And it's this. Jesus came to serve, not to be served. That's what he says to them. Just as the Son of Man came to serve and not be served. I want you to think about who Jesus is, right? Jesus is the Son of God. The dude was living in heaven with everything at his disposal. And what does the Bible tell us? That he didn't see that as something to hold on to, but he disposed himself of it. He pushed it to the side and he came to earth and took the form of man to be a servant. If Jesus surrendered everything to come and serve, who are we to think that's beneath me? Church, in every Christian, in every believer, it should be a value to serve. What can I do for someone else on behalf of God? Let's look at this passage. There's another passage that, that hits it, all of this, the same way. Go to John chapter 13. 
John chapter number 13. When you've got it, shout amen. Starting in verse 1, it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father. Listen, this is, this is going to be the most impactful moment of Jesus, right? Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God. Like Jesus knew who he was. Yet look at what verse 4 says. Rose from supper, laid aside his garments, and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. This is what Jesus did. He put everything aside and took on the job of the slave of the house. I want you to think about something for a second. Have you ever walked in a sandy area or maybe you played on a softball field or baseball field or you walked in a desert area with shoes and socks on and you get home, and even though you had shoes and socks on, you take off your shoes, and you take off your socks, and there's dirt in there. Like, there's clay. Like, I, I, I always remember when I, whenever I would go play baseball or softball or whatever, you, you get home, and, and I would purposely not take my socks off until I was already in the tub so that I wouldn't spread this all over the house, right? So Because you would take them off, and sand and clay would come out. Now imagine if your feet can get filthy and dirty with socks and shoes on when you're doing this. Imagine them walking through the desert in chancletas. <laughs> Flip-flops. Sandals. How y'all think those feet looked? I mean... You ever gone on Pirates of the Caribbean in Magic Kingdom? There's that pirate at the end that he's just sitting there and his foot's going like this and the foot's like black. You know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all, if you ever go to Pirates of the Caribbean, you're going to see that. You're going to laugh hysterically. What happens when you walk around barefoot? Your foot gets dirty. So the responsibility, it was actually foot washing was a common practice when I got into your house that there be water. As a matter of fact, there's a passage that, that when Jesus' feet are washed by the woman who's crying and pours the alabaster box and, and all that stuff, Jesus, when people say, if you knew who she was, you wouldn't let her do that. He says, you didn't even offer me water to clean my feet when I got here, yet she's bathed them with her tears. It was a common practice. And it was actually something that if you didn't do, it was like, oh my gosh, you didn't give me something to wash my feet and I'm trekking this all over your house. So Jesus, he takes off his garment and puts on a towel like a slave would. And he begins to wash the nasty, crummy feet of the disciples. As a matter of fact, Peter, he says, 
no, 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 you can't wash my feet. And Jesus is like, mm, if you don't let me wash your feet, we got some problems. And then Peter, you know, he swung the pendulum all the way to the other side. Then wash my head and my armpits and give me a sponge bath. No, that's not what he says, but he says, wash me completely. <laughs> wash me from head to toe. Jesus says, you guys are already clean. I just need to clean your feet. And then look at what he says. We're in Matthew 25. I'm sorry, John 13. Verse number 12. When he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. It's one of the things I love about Jesus so much. He never just said it. He always showed it. He gave the example, the model to follow. Now, I'm not saying that you need to go out there and physically wash everybody's feet. Nor do I think that he was implying that we need to have foot washing ceremonies all the time because that's become a religious practice. There's moments when God, like, look, The Lord may tell you to do it in a specific moment or have it be part of a service or something. But it's become a religious thing sometimes to just show. And what Jesus was saying was the heart of the situation is you've got to be willing to do whatever it is to serve your brother. They need a foot rub, it's a foot rub. Do what they need it. And I've given you the example as the one on top to go down and make myself low and do the job of a slave, of a servant. Church, can I tell you this morning, let's follow Jesus' example of service. Let's follow his example of service. I wrote this thought down. As we become more like Jesus, we become more servant-hearted. Watch, look at what he says in verse 17. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Blessed are you if you do them. In other words, it's not enough to know it. You've got to do it. Who do we have the opportunity to serve and are we doing it? I would tell you this this morning. We serve God while serving others. We serve God while serving others. Look at Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. Go back to Matthew. Look at chapter 25. Because the same way that I told you in stewardship, God is going to take an account of how you stewarded what he has entrusted you with. God's keeping score of our service. Now, serving does not earn you heaven. 
Good deeds do not earn you heaven. But being more like Jesus, you will be more of a servant. So watch this. It's Matthew 25. This is when the Son of Man is going to judge the nations. He says in verse number 33, he's going to set the sheep on the right hand, the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of these least of my brethren, you did it to me. As you served someone in need, you served me. Then he's gonna look at the other ones. He's going to say, depart from me, verse 41, you cursed into the everlasting fire, prepare for the devil and his angels, for I was hungry, you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in, naked and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him saying, when did we see you hungry, thirsty, stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you, did not serve you? Then he will answer them saying, Assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. Can I tell you something this morning? We cannot serve people truly if we have the attitude of what do I get out of it. True service is done with a not, without the attitude of what can I get out of it. But it's what we've been indoctrinated to think. Middle schools and high schools, they require a certain amount of community service hours for graduation. As a matter of fact, there's schools and universities that will give scholarships. If you can lower my microphone just a tad, please. There's schools and universities that will give scholarships based on your hours of community service. So what do we do a lot of times? We're going to do a project and we will say to the whole entire school, hey, remember, come and do this because you'll get community service hours. So they come to do it for something. Is it wrong to give community service hours? Absolutely not. As a matter of fact, we, as a nonprofit, we grant community service hours to any teenager that serves in kids' ministry or whatever the case might be. It's part of it. But you can't do it just because of that. That's serving, expecting something in return. But it's how we've conditioned people. Why do all these politicians and people go to these places when there's a disaster and they show them with the boots and the gloves and they move one thing and they take a picture and then they leave? It was a photo op, not a real service. Guys, we don't serve expecting in return. We serve because we can. We serve because we have a heart like Jesus. 
who do not look at our position or our title as something to hold on to, but we lay it all aside and serve so people can see Jesus through us. Jesus said, it's my example. Follow it. Church, we serve God while we're serving others. Can I tell you one more thing? We don't need a service project in order to serve. When Pastor Hunter was here a few months ago, he preached a, mes- a, a, a sermon titled Living on Mission. Now, Hunter and I know each other. Our church does community service projects all the time. As a matter of fact, during the announcements today, I'm going to tell you about four or five that are coming up in November, December. But you don't need to wait for that to serve people. We encourage you to volunteer or serve in one of our ministries. And we're grateful that that you that got here with children today were ever to drop them off to somebody serving in kids ministry so that you could come receive while they learned at their level. We were grateful that people with their talents used them to lead us into the presence of God of worship. We were grateful for everyone that serves, that, that, that the door was open for you, and you were greeted with a smile today from, from, from Javi and Jenny, and you were greeted and welcomed. We, that's awesome. But we're called to do it not just on Sundays or the day I'm scheduled, but every single day everywhere we go. Our church's name is 3W Church. 3W stands for what our official name is, which is Worship Without Walls. And I don't know if this has happened to you, but this has happened to me. I mean, I can't keep track of how many times. You, you'll talk to somebody and you'll say, oh, yeah, you know, 3W Church invited you to come. Oh, yeah, what does 3W stand for? Oh, it stands for Worship Without Walls. Oh, that's cool. So do you guys, like, don't have a building? You, like, worship outside? Like, you have no walls? Has, has anybody been asked that before? Because I've been asked that I don't know how many times. It's like, no, 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 we meet in a facility. It's not our building. We're praying for one, but that's not one of ours. But, but we have a facility. We have walls. We have air conditioner. Comfy chairs. What it means is that we worship God outside of the four walls, which is why our slogan, if you would, is taking it outside the walls. What the love of Jesus his compassion, his mercy in everything we do. How can we serve someone? Man, you're walking down, the, 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 you're with your buggy, you're your cart, and you're going to your car, and you see an elderly person that has water bottles, a box of water, stop and say, hey, may I help you with that? May I serve you with that? You might have to help them off the floor because they don't experience it often. What is it that we can do You know, we thank God that we were able to take teams of people and serve by cleaning out trailers and homes of widows and elderly over in Everglades City. But can I tell you something? We don't need a disaster to happen to go help a widow. Perhaps you know someone that's in need who's elderly or can't do something. And what would it show to say to your neighbor, hey, don't, you, you need to help me with stuff? I'm going to get three or four guys. We're going to come take care of it for you. And you go to our men's chat. Hey, we have an opportunity to serve this widow. Who can help me? And we go do it, not because there was a project, but because we saw a need and God put us there to serve. Let's live out this serve value by taking it outside the walls. Every single day, how may I serve you? 
What can I do? It may be praying for somebody. It may be picking up a box. It may be doing, I mean, I don't know what you can do, but whatever you can do, let's do it. When? Whenever there's an opportunity. Sometimes we're so busy that we miss the opportunities. We're in such a hurry that as we're walking up to the door of the restaurant or the place, we see somebody coming from a little bit of distance. And if we're close enough, we're going to have to hold the door open. So we accelerate to be able to get in before. Oh, y'all know you do that. Oh, if I wait, I'm going to have to hold the door. And then it's going to be like, I'm going to be there for five minutes, you know. And I don't work here. But I work for Jesus. And I serve. And I welcome and I help. And be aware when you're walking down the aisle at Publix and you see a short person and they can't reach something at the top. Hey, would you like me to help you with that? <laughs> All right, those of you that are watching online this morning or listening to the podcast, I am laughing because about six short people raised their hand and said all the time. Worship team, if you can come to the altar. <laughs> Let me tell you this. The more you become like Jesus, the more of a servant's heart you portray. Because the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. I urge you and encourage you this morning. Keep the radar on. Who can I serve? How can I serve them? How can I plug in and do this? In church, outside the church, in the neighborhood, in the workplace, wherever I go, whom can I serve? Because you know, don't know who you are doing it for. But God is watching and keeping score. Yep. There's my son. Yep. I saw him lift that up for that person. There's my daughter. She went out of her way and just showed love and compassion. And one day we're going to get to heaven. And here, well done. Good and faithful servant. Not just on our stewardship and our generosity, but in our serving. I want you to stand to your feet this morning. And I actually want us to do something. I want us to take the next minute or two to actually get right with God. What do you mean, Pastor? If we're honest, sometimes we're so busy or so stuck in the issue we are facing. We've all been there. That we bypassed an opportunity 
to serve someone. We missed Jesus being hungry or naked or in the hospital or in prison. And so let's take a minute to say, God, forgive me for missing it. And then I want you just to talk with him. Ask him to show you ways that you can serve people. Through a ministry at the church, through a service project, but most importantly in your day-to-day life. In Jesus' name. Come on, just talk with him for a few minutes.